Hello and welcome to What Memory, the podcast for survivors of stroke and brain injury. I'm Stephen Masters and I'm here with Josh Reed. We both had strokes. We want to share our experiences, find out how other people live with brain injury and investigate what's new in brain injury research. And this is the fatigue episode. We can't beat fatigue, but we can manage it. To find out how, we're talking with an expert in fatigue management. But first, Josh and I talk about the language survivors use to describe their fatigue. At the end of the zombies episode, we uh, asked people to talk about the kind of words they would use to describe um, fatigue. Because obviously the word fatigue doesn't really cover what's actually going on. It's really horrible. It's too close to tiredness. It's too... It's close, it's close enough that people who are just like, have had a really long day are, it's kind of like, they can also use the word fatigue. So yeah, it doesn't really grasp the full nature and calamity it can be. <laughs> oh, I think calamity is a good word. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, we asked um, people at um, Headway in an open call, um, what kind of words they would use. And um, we've got a couple of them here on a, on a call-out session we did. Um, exhaustion, that's quite a good one. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, flattened. Uh, depleted. Yeah, no, that... Depleted like a, like a battery, that's quite a good one. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think I do enjoy, enjoy that because it kind of, does have that feeling of that you can't do anything, which is how when fatigue hits you really bad, it feels. Persistent was another yeah. one because for some people, being sort of totally exhausted all is just there all the time, isn't it? So that yes, was quite yeah. good. Um, drained, yeah, definitely disabling. I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. I I think that one. Is definitely on up the and up the top of the list. So. Uh, yeah, right. Okay, but actually, I think that um, having just one word, um, what rapidly happened on the session was that people started using two words. So we got reduced function, which I think is a very good example of how it actually works. Is that you have a reduced function level at every level? Yeah. Whether you're, you're, you're reading, you're uh, talking, you're driving a car or walking down the street, that reduced function yeah. o- overall, I think it's washed out was another one. Um, yeah. Chronic exhaustion, Just, I, I think that's a lovely one, chronic exhaustion, yes. I think, because day after day, when you go into this fatigue state, it, it is chronic, isn't it? It's just never, yeah. ever stops. You never get out of of it into a sort of clear sunny blue sky day there's never a day yes. when you think wow i feel really on top of the world there's always a sense that you are somewhere on the fatigue exhaustion spectrum you could be very very bad or you could be yeah. just 10 percent under so i quite like that yeah um, so i think that like i think that that's quite interesting because that's the thing it's like I don't think that I've ever been a hundred percent how I was without fatigue and stuff like that happening. Um, although I have days where I'm like, I'm so close. I can almost taste it (laughs) how I was, but even then I'm like, Oh, I could just have a, a bit more of a nap. Oh (laughs) yes. Yes. That is so true. You nearly there. You just really yeah. just think, oh, I'm just nearly, nearly back to normal. But before I'm back to normal, I'm just going to have a little sit down because I'm not feeling yeah. myself now. Oh, yes. And actually, in other words that people use, profound tiredness. And I think it's that um, it's not just being tired, is it? It's being profoundly tired. It's kind of like on a yeah. scale you could never imagine that you could be this no. tired, that you can still have your eyes open. It's, it's, it's a bit like being fast asleep, actually, but with your eyes open and you're still aware of that. Of things going on. Yes. And that, around you. Yes. And, uh, uh, yes. It's, it's taking all of your energy to even 
keep it. It's almost like you're, it's taking all your energy to keep your eyes open. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, and you're like sat there, like doing like I'm not doing anything. I'm just keeping my eyes open. Yes. And then I, that's all you do for an hour. Yes. You're like, what, what, what? I've not done anything. What have you accomplished in that hour apart from, yes, just maintaining your, your eyelids in a kind of fairly stable yeah. condition? Yes. In fact, <laughs> that, that was, when we go out from two words, it started going up to three. So disabled yeah. by fatigue, somebody mentioned, which I think <laughs> is that is what, what it is. You are actually disabled yeah. and fatigue is disabling. I think it should be. Yeah, I mean, you could have. One of those lanyards, you know, the um, the sunflower lanyards. Yeah. You could wear that just for the fatigue element, couldn't you? And just say, "Oh, definitely, yeah," because it is a disability. Yeah, it, it really is because, and and that's the thing. Like a lot of people, and that's why we want to find another term because for a lot of people, it's like, "Oh, I know fatigue." Like, "Oh, I, I <laughs> yes. uh, did a five day week and I was super busy. I had fatigue." <laughs> like, it's not quite the same like have you been sat for three days like actually not doing very much <laughs> yes you're still tired like yes, you that, still that... are Yes, when people get to the end of the working week and it's, thank God, it's Friday. But then, actually, for people who have fatigue, Friday doesn't mean anything because you might not even <laughs> remember which day of the week it was anyway. Yes. And another one that came up with that, um, loss of autonomy, uh, as mm, a, a, yeah. the kind of three words, which I think is an amazing one to think about because you you yeah. do lose your ability to function for yourself. And I think that other people yeah. have to help you through so many yeah. things on the fatigue front. So um, even if it's simple things like you drive somewhere and you think, actually, I can't drive back. But fortunately, yeah. I've got somebody with me and they can take over the driving because I can't do it. But that loss of autonomy yeah. where you can't actually make up your mind what you not make up your mind, but you can't actually physically do something. But sometimes it's to the point where you can't even make up your mind what you want to do and then you yes. can't express and, it. And the issues is, is that on the days that you feel like you can do it, it's like you do, you're like, Oh my God, I've got a perfect day. It's just perfect. And I can do everything and everything. And then in the evening you're like, Oh God, I've used <laughs> all of my energy stores up, all of my battery, all of and then I'm going to really, for the next couple, three, two, two three days, I'm going to be chronically fatigued. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's, it's so tempting to grasp those moments, but you've got to get to that point oh, where yes. you're patiently being like, oh, okay, well, that's just, it's, it's temporary. It's not like for the rest of my life, it's temporary. So maybe I can do a tiny bit more than I would normally, but I can't overdo it because then I will lose three days of my life. Ah, oh, this is where, the, another one, running on empty, which isn't that, yes. that oh my God, Father, when you get to the end and you're thinking, can I just do a bit more and a bit more, but you know you can't. You, you know you're yeah. actually just now, can you just make just one tiny thing happen? And probably not. You're running on empty yeah. and then you actually stop. It's a bit like a yes. petrol shortage right now. You just literally have used up everything. Yes. And, th yeah. and then continuous debilitating awareness. And I like this one because yes. in your mind, you are aware that the fatigue is taking yes. over. So there's still part of you that is perfectly well aware that you can do something, there are possibilities of doing something, even if it's something like a crossword or something, but you can't actually physically do it and you can't mentally do it and you can't get around it. And um, I just think being aware of that fatigue is in itself yes. incredibly depressing and also debilitating in its own right. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, to begin with, a lot of times that I was chronically like awfully fatigued i wouldn't realize it would be other people my family my friends saying is everything all right you seem like almost drunk with yes, that you're yes. not making any sense and it's like oh oh God, okay i need to just sleep for a day and then i should be fine um and now i've been 
I'm able to go, oh, I can see my, my, my voice and my speech goes much <laughs> yes get worse and um so i'm and then i'm like oh okay i'm not making any sense right okay i'm going to go to bed chill <laughs> and hopefully in an hour or so i will be able i'll have enough function to then talk properly to then say oh good night i'm going to bed now <laughs> Thank you. and then that's it so it's yeah, it's just. But there's a really weird moment, isn't there, where, where you you start stumbling over your words, then you start forgetting words, and then you start mumbling in a way that actually doesn't make a lot of sense. And you can tell yeah. that other people in the room are thinking, "Oh, he's going, he's going, he's, he's giving yes. three minutes, and we won't get a peep out of him." And it's kind of this yeah. weird thing where you can't do anything about that for yourself, but actually yeah. you can't even. You're going to have to rely on them to to help you, you know, take the cup out of your hand before, because they know they, <clears throat> if he yes. keeps holding that cup of tea, he's going to drop it in a minute <laughs> and don't yeah. let him pick that up because <laughs> that'll be broken. You know, so, yeah, that's that's the lock, loss of autonomy again, isn't it, as well? Exactly. But my exactly. favourite all of all of them is, and it's four words, it's mental and physical shutdown. And I just think yes. that actually does it. It takes four words. It's not fatigue, yeah. it's mental and physical shutdown. You actually just shut down, not just at yeah. the physical level, but your mental capacity goes as well. And I think M-A-P-S, MAPS, okay. Maybe MAPS is the new word then. Mental and physical yeah. shutdown is a new condition post-stroke and brain injury. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it'll catch on, maybe not. Many thanks to our fellow brain injury survivors for their thoughts and words. And now we're joined by Mags O'Brien, occupational therapist at Headway in Bedford. Among many other things, she runs a fatigue management course and knows what works and what doesn't. Whether you've had a brain injury or a stroke, is fatigue just a general thing that happens to everybody? Um, I think it's it's very common after yeah. a wide brain injury or a stroke. I've got some figures um, that I've looked at for you. Um, but particularly in the early days, um, and apart from there being less fatigue perhaps after something like a TIA, um, it doesn't almost matter how... Um, severe the stroke is or the area of the stroke um, as to whether someone will have fatigue or, or not um, which right. is very common in the early days um, and hopefully in time it, things will improve but there are um, some so people that are left with a residual amount of fatigue yes and so. Um, so what is a TIA just for our listeners so. sorry that's a transient ischemic attack Okay, yeah. <laughs> a bit like a, perhaps like a mini stroke sort of thing. Brilliant. Okay. So, the other thing then is, it doesn't matter how big your stroke is, the fatigue level is not determined by how... So, the worse the stroke, the worse the fatigue. It doesn't work like that. Not necessarily, no. God, bloody okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... I guess, for me, it's like, I had quite a bad stroke um to put it mildly but now i have very little fatigue i i've got to a point where i'm managing it myself and i never went to your um sort of group sessions um and so I had to figure it out a lot my on my own. So yeah, basically I was like, right, okay, if I do if I if I do exactly what I did before my stroke, I feel knackered. I, I can't move after like four or five days of uh, doing exactly the same. So what I've got to think is, oh, I've got to do a have a nap here. I'll have a nap here. I'll, I'll maybe I'll not have a nap. Maybe I'll just watch some TV and. I'll sort of 
doze off and think of like the the planets and stuff like that and I'm like out with the fairies um and that sort of really helped me so like half an hour an hour of just doing that it meant that my brain energy cells were sort of back up and ready to do things so yes <laughs> you see I was the exact opposite what I did was I didn't learn anything by myself I just carried on regardless. I crashed and burned every day. In the afternoon, I was out for maybe four or five hours, just sort of gazing into space. And it, it, it actually kind of got worse and worse and worse, actually. And because the more I did, as the rest of my body was starting to sort of wake up, I'd do more, like walking yes. and breathing and stuff like this. But, of course, that wore me out even more. So it actually w was getting worse because my brain was kind of – having to think of new things like how to move my right arm again and it was taking up so much of my brain that it would just in the afternoon it would just collapse so it was only yeah. until i got to your course that i kind of really truly understood that there was a kind of mechanism that i just couldn't fight that was yeah, a bit of a wake-up call i think it's very common i see a lot of people who who do the the crash and burn or the boom and bust as we, we tend yes. to call it um and and people would often try and fight the fatigue um oh, yeah. and and um you know it's not going to be any sort of thing i'm determined to do this um but sometimes they're, they're fighting against themselves actually and, and uh, yes. the fatigue just catches, catches up with them um and and you just do too much and, and then you yeah. kind of pay for it um but of course doing too much is, is perhaps nothing compared with what you previously did and and that's part of the problem um yeah. that that as you say just just walking and, and just doing some really basic stuff is, is exhausting um and nowhere near the levels of activity that you did pre-brain injury yeah so so a lot of physical tasks so for example i can go to the gym for two hours i can uh do some work in the garden for for an hour or so and i don't feel i just feel healthily tired if that makes sense whereas if i try and read a sentence i have to put so much brain power into it <laughs> i'm like right i'm done i'm going to have a nap now uh so it's also not just sort of like general as well it's yeah. more specific and isolated sort of tasks that you are struggling to for me now i have an app on my phone which reads to me or i read audiobooks and mm. so that's how i've got around it because luckily i'm not sort of at the stage where i'm sort of doing gcse's and stuff like that so i'm not having to force myself to try and stay awake during these sort of elements of like reading and writing and stuff like that so i just i I'm, whether that's good or bad i just tend to ignore them so i'm like okay they, they don't exist i'm just living my life as if like writing and reading don't exist a lot of the time <laughs> but if you've, you've you've kind of got a way around it by listening to audio books and if that's less mm. effortful then you're still getting the pleasure from the books without mm. the perhaps increased effort of, of reading but i think it's it's interesting what you say there um about sort of getting feeling almost you get the tiredness that comes from doing the physical activities but it's not the fatigue that comes from the the cognitive activities the reading yes. the ones that require the concentration so there's a few points there um first of all that people very often have trigger activities those specific activities that make them more tired in amongst all this this general sort of fog of fatigue yes, um, yeah. there, there may be a cumulative effect of things but there can also be trigger activities and it may be cognitive activities it may be physical activities so with the causes of fatigue um they're poorly understood post-brain injury whether yeah. it's something actually within the brain that's, that's affected or whether it's the fact that some of the things that you just did without consciously thinking about walking across the room, getting up out of the armchair, mm. um, getting dressed. You just did it. Whereas now you're consciously having to think about how you're placing your foot, how you're moving yeah. your leg, how you're putting your arm into your shirt or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so things are much more effortful as well. And obviously that yes. increases the fatigue levels. Definitely. With my... Um stroke so my right hand my right side was affected by my strokes so you know if i force myself i'm like right i'm going to drink a coffee or a cup of water with my right hand and 
I, I feel almost like every single muscle and uh, almost like activity that I try and use to drink with my right hand. Yes. My left hand, I don't even think about it. So if I'm um, tired or if I am had a few beers, let's say, <laughs> I automatically go for my left hand because it's just so much easier and I don't have extra effort to think mm. about yeah. I think the idea of having to think about something which you've been doing automatically on autopilot for the whole of your life, that guy putting your shirt on, you know, which should be the easiest thing in the world. But I would spend 15 minutes playing around with buttons, putting the wrong arm down the wrong sleeve and the, and thinking, how how do I get the, the shirt across around the back and uh, no this can't be and th that brain power which you use mm. up trying to do something very oh, yeah. very simple and trying to mean. kind of meet yeah just trying to work out what you're doing i found yeah. that oh is that one of your trigger activities then is that is the fact that trying to do small tasks and having to think them through step by step is that yeah. the kind of thing that triggers fatigue it can be. I mean, obviously, it varies from, from one person to another. Um, so it's just, you know, for, for some people, travelling could be really tiring, um, reading, like you've said. Um, yeah. For a lot of people, social activities or being being in a place where they're um, joining in multiple conversations is, is really tiring. Um, oh, yes. You know, they can have a one-to-one -one conversation, but when there's more than one person talking, having to try and keep up with what's being said and thinking about what they're going to say can be incredibly tiring. So there's, there's several trigger activities um, that, that people perhaps over time can become aware of, that they, they have a certain level of fatigue, but these things can really make the fatigue spike yes but it's not the same yeah. for everybody then it's just individual no, no. yeah see that's why i've got very difficult isn't it makes it very difficult to sort of have a generalist approach being like oh i don't yeah i'm not affected by that especially in the early stages when you've just got out and you're just you're say just starting to go to headway it must be super difficult because you have to isolate, oh, okay, actually, they're fine doing this activity, but this one is a real problem. We need to yeah. find that out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but basically, the, the, the fatigue is as individual as the stroke, isn't it? And yes. And the method to combat fatigue, in other words, manage it, is has to be kind of tailored for each individual person based on what kind of things would trigger off the fatigue in the first place. Absolutely spot on. I think that there are benefits to the group um, because people you're you're with other people who are experiencing what you're experiencing, yeah. fatigue-wise, which obviously I haven't experienced. Um, yeah. So it can be quite comforting in the same way as coming to Headway. You're meeting other people who know what you're going through with an acquired brain That's injury. Right. Meeting people who understand your fatigue, they get it because they're going yes. through it as well, can be really helpful. And oh, yeah. Um, some, sometimes you can learn some things they've tried either haven't worked or do work and, and may work for you um so from that point of view in the general education point of view the group can work quite well but absolutely it needs to be an individual approach as well because everyone is different everyone's brains are different everyone's experience of brain injury is different yes. and their fatigue levels and their triggers will also vary and the activities they perhaps they're struggling with or that they want to do will be often very different as, as well. Yeah. Yes, your classes are very, very interesting, actually, because there are there's a kind of group of, say, eight people who are all experiencing fatigue, but they're, fat they're experiencing it in the class. So you can see yeah. people kind of starting to drift because they can't keep up with the class of fatigue management. It was quite, quite an odd thing to do. And I would do it myself. I would just, you know, just sit there and kind of blip out. And then you'd say, are you still here? And I kind of think, oh, yes, I should be. Yes, of course. <laughs> this is fatigue management course. Oh, my God. I remember that. I don't need, I don't think I need a class anymore. I think, um, I think I understand it well enough uh, and my own triggers well enough. Although I'm... Yeah. But at the same time, because I'm I'm sort of improving in other ways, I still push the boat out a bit too much, yeah. and then I'll get caught out. So I'll go out in the garden and think I can do, I can do sort of half an hour in the garden now. So I'm going to give it a whirl, and then I 
But I shouldn't have done that because now I've done half an hour and I'm going to pay for that in the afternoon. What I should have done is do two, 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 you know, three or four ten minute things with a with a five minute break, and now I could have probably longed it out a bit. Yes, but that's the thing. It's like you don't find that out, or at least in my experience, unless you push yourself <laughs> yes. to the the limit first. So it's like you push yourself to the limit to see, right? Okay, what can I do? This is just my technique. And then I'm like, okay, no, that didn't work. <laughs> in many days. Um, and so maybe if I split it, so instead of like two hours, I do an hour. Um, so, yes. But that's very much, a, well, a boom and bust exercise to try and help me figure out what I can do. Yeah, what you've got is the crash and burn technique for managing fatigue, isn't it? Which is to try it out, crash, and then then think, I might rethink that one. But not everybody yes. can do that because a lot of no. people don't remember how bad the fatigue is. And so uh, in, my, in the early days of all this, for me, I would try something out and then I would forget that, that was a, the fatigue bit was a problem. And I'm more interested in trying to do something. So I was my own worst enemy in that I wasn't planning for it. So I'd have to kind of sit down and say, well, I'll do half an hour of this and then I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to do and then plan it out and actually write it down. And of course, in the very early days, just writing the list of how I was going to manage a day in fatigue was enough for me. I've done the list and now I'm going to go, go, go and lie down in the darkened room and kind of mull it over. Yeah. Oh, dear. I think, yeah, ideally, rather than um, Joshua's crash and burn method, we would we'd try and establish a baseline of what you can achieve comfortably. But clearly, mm. there's going to be some trial and error in there. Um, and, and being only human, you know, some people are going to push themselves a bit too mm. much and, and then hopefully learn from that. But as you say, Stephen, um, you don't always remember. Um, so, you know, we use the fatigue diaries to try and help measure. It's very difficult to measure fatigue, but try and monitor you know how you're feeling so you get an idea of when are the best times of day to do things when when you're perhaps less fatigued than other times yes um what activities make you more fatigued and as you say trying to plan out activities for the course of the day so you're prioritizing things that you need to do want to do um and then you try and plan those out over the course of the day or the week um yeah where, where you can but of course an added difficulty as well is that sometimes because of the brain injury the very skills you need for the planning and organizing and, and remembering these things are, are, have also been affected so it's it's something of a double whammy there oh isn't uh, it just yes <laughs> yes because planning planning wasn't was i was quite good at planning but um and then i stopped very suddenly being able to plan anything at all and um i'm slowly getting that back and uh and even things like um doing this zoom call and and recording yeah, it and yeah. everything i mean the planning i had to think about it so much and josh and i would talk about it wouldn't we and then, yes. then yeah just go oh, how double gonna... check it triple check triple it, check it triple yes check it. <laughs> Do you find out that you've got to accept your own fatigue? Is it only only once you've really understood what fatigue is? And then you've got to learn to accept it or something? I think that's that's really hard to answer because I think um, acceptance is, is key to being able to move on um, yeah. and make progress. But there isn't a set point when people reach acceptance. And sometimes I think people don't always reach that acceptance but it is a key point in um being able to make progress um and and that came through in a recent study i was reading about that that was a a common theme that people said once they'd accepted 
then they got this and they needed to make adaptations to where they, they live their life and, and not try and cram so many things in um, and just accept that things were going to take longer and, and make them more tired and that they would need to have more breaks and rest periods and, and recovery time. Yes. Um, that's when they they began to make improvements. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, I have the conversation with people that acceptance is not the same as giving into it. Right. Yes, this is so true. <laughs> it's like once I accepted it and I was like, right, okay, what can I do to make this work so I can do as much as I physically can but not be fatigued? So I'm like, okay, so, you know, I don't wake up immediately and do something. I wake up and I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to have half an hour lying in bed at like, 7.38 um, before I go and do things so I'm like right and then I've got my routine where I walk my dog uh, for half an hour and that sort of gets the ball rolling of my day uh, rather than being like oh my god I need to get out and do this do this do that and so I just need to have a slightly slower start to the day because mornings are difficult well, difficult before my stroke <laughs> so, yes <laughs> So on the idea of uh, acceptance, you can come round to accepting um, fatigue for yourself, but the rest of the world doesn't necessarily understand any of that. And um, yes. we've spoken to a lot of people in headway <clears throat> when they, they're trying to get back into work, they're trying to get back into some kind of routine in their life, with their families, with their friends, um, with their work colleagues, and the acceptance of their fatigue isn't always bang on. They don't really understand why yeah. someone is going to have to sit sit down and or lie down for half an hour, yeah, and then come back um, to work, and that that seems to be a huge problem. Yes, and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, I mean, it starts with, with just the, the family trying to understand, um, mm. you know, what's happened to the, the, their loved one and, and why they can't do all of these things and making allowances for them. And, of course, sometimes the family are the, or the, the nearest and dearest are the ones that can recognise the, the fatigue coming on in that person yeah. sometimes before the person themselves recognises yes, the signs Yes, this of the is fatigue. very true. Um, and and so it's helpful where possible to get families or carers involved in the fatigue management as, as well. Yeah. It's something I'm, I'm increasingly trying to do um, so that they can help the person manage their fatigue. Um, but you're absolutely right. But um, Headway UK did a brain drain survey in 2019 in their Action for Brain Injury Week. Um and three and four brain injury survivors um, felt that people in their life don't understand their fatigue. Um, and four yeah. and five felt that their life would be improved if, if people understood their fatigue better. And, and as you say, that That's goes on to employers as, as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, but on, on the subject of going back to work, um, employers do have a responsibility and a duty to make reasonable adjustments for people yes. going back to work. Part of the problem, of course, is that it's a hidden disability. So yes. it might yes. look absolutely fine, but of course you, you have problems with fatigue. Um, yes. immediately obvious to people. When I came out of hospital in quite a bad shape, Nobody ever explained to my family. I mean, I probably couldn't have understood it even if they had explained it to me. But even when I had the OTs coming around to the house and everything like that, they never really explained the, to my family the full impact of fatigue and how it was going to influence not just my life, but their lives as well, having to cope with me. And um, I can't help thinking that at some stage it would have been really helpful to everybody including the OTs themselves, if somebody has sat, sat the family down and just said, look, this, he's going to fall asleep in the afternoons and it's not going to be nice and, um, and he's going to drop things because he doesn't realise he's losing the ability to hold stuff because of the fatigue. Um, and I, I found that rather worrying that, that, that so many people just let go with no sort of education earlier on. It's great 
in headway later. Uh. But in a way, I kind of was already planning, not planning, but trying to cope. And my family were trying to cope with all of that already. And then, but yeah. when it came along, it kind of put everything into context. And I thought, oh, God, this is, this is why it happens. This is how it happens. And I remember coming home to, saying to my family, look, look, it's, 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 they've explained how it all works now. It's amazing. But, but, uh, but it would have been useful if I'd had it maybe a year before. That would have yeah. been quite helpful. I, I think it's um, ideally, I, I think one of the key times, and again, it goes back to a study I've been reading um, that was done, um, published this year, um, that people find it particularly helpful to have that fatigue management when they first go home. Yeah, yes. Um, because I think very often that's when it really hits them. You know, it's, it's fantastic, yes. they're out of hospital, but they're back home, and then it really hits them. The, the difference yes. in, in what they were doing before and what, how they are now and what they're able to do. Um, so, yeah, so that would be a, a good time to get fatigue management information. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's the thing. It's like OTs are amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, they were helping me do the physical things. They were helping oh, yeah. me do, like, being independent on myself. So helping me shower on my own, helping me uh, cook a little bit easy foods and stuff like that um but they seem to have this hole now that i can look back and be like oh actually i was probably struggling but i didn't even realize that i was struggling why it was that i was just sleeping all afternoon i was like oh god maybe it's just because i'm i'm tired still from the operation or something like that um but yeah it's it's just they they do need someone like like they have. So we have. I had speech. I had writing. I had all this therapy, but it's just like a fatigue management therapist would be would have been super useful, and maybe not would have got me f- further than I am now, but would definitely have helped to be like, oh, okay, I know where I am at that moment and also help my parents rather than me having to try and explain to them actually no I'm really struggling like I say fatigue and they're like oh you're just tired and it's like no no it's not quite the oh same. yes <laughs> oh yes and the, all these little things you get with you know um the, the idea that you're, you're you're just not trying you know or um you know buck yourself up a bit and um and all that kind of and or, or, or little things like can you just Go and do some, that that for me, like you know, nip down to the shops and get something for me. And you think, actually, I can't because I think I'll be too tired by the time I get there. I won't be able to get back. So there are lots of little things that that seem like you're being kind of um, you're not engaging with life yeah. in, in in a kind of the way that they were used to, and that they've yeah. always got to make little adjustments to that. I kind of think that for older people, when they've had a stroke or a brain injury. The, uh, whereas I feel, even at 68 or 69 or wherever I am, and, and for you, Josh, probably, we've, we know we've got enough time left that we can, we can get out of the fatigue to quite, yes. a, quite a big extent. I could probably get back to 80%, I, I would think, of what, what I could used to be able to do. But for some people who are much, much older, when they've had a stroke and they realise where they are with the fatigue, and then they think ahead... They think, well, if if I'm only move that tiny little bit in this first year, I, don't, I haven't got many years left, really. So there's a kind of feeling of hopelessness that you're never going to get out of it. Yeah, and I think very often, you know, we talk in the group about the fact that fatigue can affect the way you think. Yeah. Um, that, you you know, you think, oh, I'm useless, and, and you feel hopeless about yes. things and, and maybe irritable and frustrated that you can't do things and it can also affect what you do so so people will try and either avoid activity or try and do too much um so it really does affect every aspect of, of your life um and the aim obviously with fatigue management is is to clearly manage the fatigue we can't get rid of the fatigue yes. it's about helping people to learn to manage the fatigue um and i often say to people that 
you know, if we're recording figures on the fatigue, sometimes the numbers themselves won't go down. But if you if you've increased the amount of activity you're doing and that you're able to participate in in the things yeah. you want to do, then that's a win. Um, Definitely. And that's that's what we're aiming for: trying to put you more in control of the fatigue, so that you can get on with the things that are important to you in in your life. <laughs> oh, that is fatigue management, isn't it? Yes, I've forgotten that. Yes, Basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what do you get out of other people talking to you about their fatigue? Do you do you just find you get new new insights all the time? Yes, I think it's it's just hearing people's experiences and and sometimes being able to share that with others in the group, um, and and also as well um, what I was doing pre. COVID when we were having our meetings mm. online uh, was inviting someone who'd previously gone through the group um, and graduated from the yeah. fatigue management course to come back and talk to people and, and I've obviously earmarked you Stephen as someone um, that's mm. Andrew Josh could certainly come in. Yeah don't think you can get away with it Josh. <laughs> <laughs> about your experience of, of um, how fatigue affected you and, and how the strategies are hopefully working for you Yes, um, because that tends to go down very well with people because they yeah. see someone who's in the same position as themselves but is hopefully moving on the other side um, and, and utilising the strategies that I'm talking about Yes, um, that can be very powerful I think, I think yeah. it is because I think hearing it from the professionals like yourself is one thing, but hearing it from somebody who's also experiencing is something altogether different. Totally different, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's like getting instructions, isn't it, in, in a way, you, you from a teacher. You kind of take it all on. If you if you get it from another pupil, you kind of think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they've got it. They, they understand it now, and I'm understanding also, what they're understanding. And also yeah. there is that element of, oh, they've been through it, so it must be true, whereas, like, teachers, okay, well, they've, know about it in the ether um but does it have any practical use i'm not sure uh, like obviously when you're in that sort of mindset you're like oh well should i trust this teacher she's saying lots of <laughs> things the only yeah. reason he's saying this max is because he used to be a teacher I know, so he knows I exactly so what this is like yeah, it's 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 super helpful to have someone who's gone through it, and you can sort of see them being like on the other side almost. So it's like yeah. when I um, first came to Headway, I was like, oh my god, I'm just so much worse than all these people who are on my in my group, and because uh, I went to the Thursday group, so and I was like, oh my god, why am I here? Why do they put me here? And then probably a month later when I was forced to go like be a, um, a a mentor for a person for a day and I it made me come out of my shell a bit because I had to um, and suddenly I was like oh I can do this and then looking back even sort of like sort of when I was finishing I was like looking at these uh, people and I was like oh god no I am better than them and I was like oh that makes I don't like that feeling I'm like oh my god I want to help them and that's obviously what the podcast is doing like I'm we're trying to sort of 
both help ourselves, but also make other people know that it is possible to get out the other side. Yes. 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 Exactly. I think it's anyway. Yes, and I think that's all part of that whole um, training and education bit, which I think needs to go right through the professions, business, even GPs really ought to know. It's impossible to actually prevent the fatigue, isn't there? But there, there are kind of strategies. So, what are the top? strategies for coping um i think one of the ones i always recommend to people is pacing yeah um so short breaks frequent short rest breaks um in an activity so breaking an activity down into smaller parts having some rest breaks before during after um Mm. people find it frustrating to do at times um but but it is one that works and over time if you consistently pace yourself then you're you're able to increase or very often you're able to increase the amount of activity you do whereas if you adopt the other approach um, of the boom and bust it's possible over time that you actually um, go down into a bit of a downward spiral and and the amount of activity that you actually do over time decreases. So pacing, I think, is key. Oh, right. I didn't, I didn't know that about that if you did the boom bust, it goes, it can go the other way and you can just, yeah, I didn't realise yeah. that. No, that's really, really good to know. God, yes. <laughs> so um, what else would you, what you want to talk about, Mags, in terms of strategy and management? That we haven't covered. Um, well, I haven't haven't said about the prevalence of fatigue. Oh Um, yeah, let's do that. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you might want to swap that in a bit. No, that's Um, all right. We we all get it. All gets edited, so don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just that again, going back to the brain drain um study that Headway UK did, seventy percent of brain injury survivors report that. Fatigue is the most debilitating effect of their brain injury. I would totally agree oh, with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, something that um, Stroke Association report, that 50% of stroke survivors said, they say tiredness, which sounds very mild, um, was their main problem. Yeah. So it's, it is hugely prevalent for people with an acquired brain injury. Actually, Definitely. what we did, we, um, <clears throat> we did a thing at Headway where we asked people... Let's see if I can find this um, picture. Yeah, here we, we asked people at Headway um, on a Zoom um, what kind of words they would use to describe fatigue. And so yeah. um, exhaustion seems to be yeah. a better word. Um, profound tiredness kind of just about covered it. Um, flattened, depleted, loss of autonomy, disabled by fatigue people described it drained chronic exhaustion um running on empty and then it it actually gets like one word doesn't describe it two words barely describes it but mental and physical shutdown you you're you're starting to get into whole sentences to try and describe it and um yeah continuous debilitating awareness which i thought was quite so you're kind of aware that you're running out. And I thought that was Uh, quite, yeah. Um, And I thought that was kind of, it's intriguing that the word fatigue doesn't really cover fatigue. Certainly tiredness doesn't. But, um, so I I just thought. that's the problem as well. Like people in who are completely normal and fine um, use exhausted used tired all the time to explain something oh when they've had a flat out day yes and it's not quite it's not the same and you say it and you're like oh they're like oh you're just tired then and you're like no. like yeah <laughs> I, I can't i can barely think so like i i know when i'm exhausted or um when i 
have slow speech my speech starts to go and I'm like and it takes ages for my brain to realize uh what I want to say like it's high, basically it's like having a mini stroke all over again if I get mm. to that oh yeah that's exactly what it's yeah. like and I think something else to, to get over is the fact that you know, pre-brain injury, yes, of course you got tired from time to time. You know, perhaps you'd be working really hard or maybe you've been sleeping badly. The difference there is, you know, maybe a couple of good nights sleep or rest or maybe a holiday and, and you're recharged and you're fine yes. again. Um, whereas it's not quite the same after <laughs> after fatigue, no. after neurofatigue. Because, yes, rest can help, but it doesn't alleviate yeah. the, the fatigue. Um, and it is no. about consistent use of a variety of strategies to, to manage yes. the fatigue. And it is about yeah. managing the fatigue. Um, that, that's the key thing there. Yes, I couldn't believe that tying my own shoelaces would actually take me out for the whole of the rest of the day. And I, and I found that frightening because I, I, I was kind of looking ahead in my own life and thinking, if I can, you know, tie my shoes once, and that's going to be the rest of the day done. I haven't got much to do for the rest of my life now. If I could, pa- what I would have done in twenty years, or you know, in it, or taking two months, I, I, I'm going to spread it out over twenty years just to do that. Just to, yes, so that it's kind of a wasted life. So there was a, a very frightening aspect to it, and and I think probably mentally affected me more than more than anything else. About the, I mean, yeah. I, well, yeah. I wasn't happy with the fact that I couldn't move my arm because I, I used to draw. So that, that was very scary. But the idea I wasn't going to do anything, that really confounded me terribly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, because Stephen, you always say that you don't think you had a stroke. You just had like chronic, chronic fatigue. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Because, but but you put it like right. It's like having, done. it's like having another stroke. It's like having a stroke every day, isn't it? It's like you just pass out. And I think that must be so scary for so many people to experience mm-hmm. that every day on a kind of industrial basis, really. Yeah, and and yeah. it's kind of, and that's why I think people like GPs need to know much more about it. Because in the early days, I would go, I'd be going down to the GP saying, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I can't do that. When I look back on it, this was all fatigue based. But I was walking up with my GP, sort of blissfully unaware, with my family, because I couldn't go there by myself. But it's kind of, he can't do this, he can't do that, and everything like that. And um, all of it was explained away later when we started yes. to understand that the illness was, in fact, fatigue. The, the whole yeah. condition. Yeah. yeah. But I think and, uh, it would have been better if I did... Sorry, it would have been better if that had been explained to me earlier. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, we very much, professionals, we need to learn from from people like yourselves, your experience, so that we can learn how to um, treat. Yes. Yes. And and increase our understanding as much as possible um, to to improve treatments. And and that's why I always ask for feedback on the course, you know, to to see what, what works best for people. Um, and try and adapt the, the course accordingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But see, occupation is really important for people, you know, and, and yes. that, that really affects your mood if you can't engage in the occupations and, and activities that are important to you. Yeah. Um, you know, you want purposeful activities and, yes, um, and things that are meaningful to, to you. And uh, that, that's, I think that explains as well why you feeling so frightened at that, you know, yes. this it sort of thing. Um, and, and that's why it's so important that you can engage in those things that are important to you. And, that, and that's why we talk about prioritising activities. So yes. you can work out, you know, what do I have to do? What do I want to do? Um, yes. what, what can I delegate perhaps or what can I eliminate? Yeah. And then plan those during the course of the day, the week and, and so on. Um, so that you can get as much out of, of life as possible. Yes. In yeah. fact, managing the fatigue is a way of, in the end, managing your life, isn't it? Yes. Uh, to get yeah. the most out of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and just having that sense of control, 
that yes. you're controlling the fatigue rather than the fatigue is controlling you. Yes, yeah, that, that's major. It's really important to recognise the signs of fatigue um, and, and they can vary, um, obviously, from person to person, but often yeah. there can be common ones. So if you are, if you do have speech difficulties, perhaps after a stroke, brain injury, then yes, very often the speech can be affected sometimes, yeah. like you said, the word finding or maybe a slight slurring. Um, yes. And that, that gets worse and obviously maybe the eyes start to, to droop or <laughs> just... Um, sort of brain fog or, or perhaps catching your foot if you have difficulties walking yes. uh, maybe become a little bit staggery that, that sort yes. of thing um, more likely to trip um, and, and balance just with notice me those signs. and it's really important when you start to notice those signs so that's when your energy levels are really going to drop yeah. so it's it's absolutely vital that you rest, you stop what you're yes. doing if you safe to do so then you stop and have a break at that point but then as as you get better at managing your fatigue you're taking breaks before you get to that point yeah and and then you never you don't really get to that point um so yeah so you know it's like as i said like my speech is the first to go and then my i can't remember what that word is and i can't even think what it it would be if I was to use another word, I'm like, okay, I need to chill. I need to <laughs> just recharge. I and then my my because I've uh, lost the right side of my body, so like my right side weakness gets a little bit worse. And I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm done now. And then I don't even say really m- much. Like I might just say, oh, I'm done, and then just <laughs> yes. in bed just for a bit, just to sort of like calm myself down. And I might go to bed early. I might go to like, yeah, I might just if I'm doing something, I'm like, right, okay, I'm just going to sit quietly for half an hour. I don't bother me <laughs> because now they my family knows uh, what to do but yeah it's, it just it can catch you up even if like I've slept really well and I'm I've not done too much like yes. sometimes it just creeps up on you and you're like god how does that how did I like allow that to get so like so bad because that's that's the worst that it gets now for me it's like i can feel the edge of like oh he is he i'm going to be bad but i'm like okay i'm done now okay just don't talk to me till tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) it's very much like that isn't it because for me I'll, i'll start getting quieter and quieter and then I won't say much. And then I want to say something and I'm thinking how I'm going to work out how I'm going to say it. And I'm forgetting the words and things like that. And there's the point where I think I forgot what I was going to say. And I think and I'm trying yeah. to get back to where, what I was going to say. And there's the point where I just go, oh, do you know what? I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care if, yeah. I, if I remember it or not anymore. It's not important. Yeah. And that, that's when you know the fatigue's really on you then. Showing yourself some compassion. Um, people are very hard on themselves. Oh yes, and and push themselves, and just being a bit kinder to yourself, um, and allowing yourself not to do things or to to beat yourself up for what you haven't done, but recognizing the things that you have achieved and how far you've come and what progress you've made, um, and those can make you you feel better about yourself as as well, and that's important. Yes, mm. and the opposite is true as well because I was measuring my life by what I wasn't doing, mm. so I was yes. not doing not doing that, not doing that, not doing that. So I'm doing this bit, and that's my life. And uh, um. But, but by always looking at that, the, the things I haven't done left me very frustrated about everything. Yeah. Um, so I've learned now not to kind of dwell too way. much on the things that aren't happening because I'm going to, nothing I can do about it. I suppose that's acceptance, isn't it? And if you're not completely exhausted by now, you can find out more about brain injury fatigue. Headway, the brain injury recovery charity, has a managing fatigue fact sheet available online. And the Stroke Association have a section of their website devoted to fatigue. 
Links to both are available on our Instagram page at what underscore memory, followed by the numeral two. If you have any thoughts on fatigue, email us on whatmemory2 at hotmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-M-E-M-O-R-Y, followed by the numeral two at hotmail.com. What Memory is our personal podcast. Any views expressed are purely our own or the personal views of our guests. We are not expressing the views of any organisation or business. Okay, we're done. The only thing we know for sure after brain injury is that the future is unknown and daunting, but it's only going to be brighter if we plan for it to be that way. Bye for now.